I think that what makes him so interesting and what makes Warner Brothers Discovery so interesting is that it sort of epitomizes a larger moment in Hollywood, in the legacy media industry. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, November 17th. Today, I'm joined by Dylan Byers to talk about a pair of big New York Times profiles on David Zaslov that both dropped this week. One piece goes deep on Zaslov's tenure atop Warner Brothers Discovery, and the other on his management of CNN. And Dylan, it will not surprise you, has some thoughts on both. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of Powers the Beat. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily. I'm joined today for a Media Friday with Dylan Byers. Dylan, happy Friday. What, are you, uh, what cocktail are you going to mix up this evening? <laughs> happy Friday, Peter. Uh, I, I'm not terribly creative this time around. I'll probably go with a martini. Although, you know, I will say we, it, we are reaching the end of the year and we have our, uh, I know our annual Mirth and Merriment uh-huh. gift guide is coming out. And I have a cocktail you might actually be interested in that I've been workshopping for some time, which is as a California guy, it's, it's all Californian ingredients. So stay tuned. That'll, that, that, hopefully that'll, I'll, I'll make that your, your holiday 2023 cocktail. Yes. All of us here at Puck dropped a bunch of gift and holiday suggestions into this Mirth and Merriment Guide, which should be dropping soon. I know everyone is waiting with bated breath. <laughs> but that list, I'm not sure it'll ever meet the expectations that were swirling around a pair of New York Times pieces about David Zaslov that both dropped this week, <laughs> Dylan. Yes. So basically, the Times, it's clear they've been working on these pieces for a while. Jonathan Mahler, James Stewart, and, and Ben Mullen worked on one. And that was how David Zaslov blew up Hollywood. And it's basically, you know, documents Zaslov's wild ride atop Warner Brothers Discovery. There's another piece also by James B. Stewart and Ben Mullen working overtime called Behind CNN Turmoil, A Series of Shattered Friendships. And that gets into David Zaslov's relationships with Jeff Zucker, Don Lemon, Chris Licht, Brian Stelter, and all the drama that's sort of afflicted CNN in recent years and it's got some good gossip. I don't know, Dylan, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I want I will defer to you on which of these stories and which of these angles you want to go into first, the CNN stuff with Zaslov or his tenure atop WBD. But before getting into all of that, I just have a question. For me, for our listeners out there who might not really know or care, why does why do we care so much about David Zaslav? Like, what's the big deal with this guy? Like, he is it is it is it that Wall Street likes him because he's slashing the debt at WBD? Because from what I see, 
you know, it's a lot of drama. And also the the getting rid of HBO and throwing it into Max. I mean, that that interface also sucks. But maybe that's just a personal gripe. Well, first, uh, let me try to exhibit a little bit of self-awareness here. As someone who, who wrote 74 <laughs> or 89 pieces about uh, uh, CNN and, and Chris Licht and that whole saga... Uh, I'm the last person to fault anyone for spending a little too much time on any given subject. All of that said, look, we've we've sort of known, I would say, people in the New York media world have known that this big Zaslav opus was coming. I learned about a week ago that there would, in fact, be more than one piece. And it does you you do sort of wonder, like, my God, how many times can uh, we write? You know, how many Zaslav profiles do we need? Uh, certainly the CNN stuff, and, and maybe it's just me, a lot of it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> ground that I would rather not go back and retread. But all of that said, uh, there was quite a bit of reporting here, and there was there were certainly some sort of amusing and intriguing anecdotes along the way. Uh, I'll start with Zaslav uh, and the magazine piece first because I just that that is so obviously the much much bigger deal here. You ask why this sort of fascination with Zaslav. I th- I think that what makes him so interesting and what makes Warner Brothers Discovery so interesting is that it sort of epitomizes a larger moment in Hollywood in the legacy media industry and the sort of question of can this guy who comes from the sort of world, the like the Jack Welch, John Malone world mm-hmm. of, of cable and cost cutting and all that, can he sort of come in and reposition this company for the future? And that's really a question about Hollywood's future itself. And I think we are sort of also interested in the Bob Iger Disney question, albeit for different reasons. But there was so much, you know, we love in, in Hollywood, as in media, we love stories about people who rise very high and fall very low and in, and hopefully find redemption. And in David Zaslav, you have someone who sort of came into Hollywood with a lot of swagger and a great deal of optimism and sort of thought that he could make himself over, not as a cable uh, you know, era cost cutter, but rather as a sort of a new Hollywood mogul in the Jack Warner style. And at this moment, when WBD remains saddled with $43 billion in debt, when the stock is down, uh, pick your day, but somewhere between 55 and 60%, and when the the legacy media industry more broadly is dealing with all of the challenges inherent with this sort of linear to streaming pivot and facing the headwinds of TikTok and Amazon and artificial intelligence and all these things and writer strikes. There's this question of, can he actually pull this off and how much patience are people willing to afford him? And we've sort of arrived at this moment where Hollywood is willing to afford him no patience, right? Unless you're sort of part of the like the Barry Diller class, Hollywood has very much given up on David Zaslav. Um, they're angry at him. They they see, and I think this is what the New York Times magazine piece gets to. They see a sort of overpaid CEO who mm-hmm. made a lot of misguided decisions in terms of of how he came in, who was sort of ruthless in his cost cutting, who turned the creative community against him, and 
Look, I, I think that there are I think there's room for debate here. You can't debate the numbers. Things are down. But I think there's room for debate over the long-term prospectus. And, and I'll break the fourth wall here. Our colleague, Bill Cohen, is one of the more bullish mm-hmm. voices on this, right? He's someone who says, like, look, we knew from the get-go that he was going to be facing these challenges. We knew what the debt was. And if you actually look at what he's doing, he is reducing the debt. He is creating cash flow. So mm-hmm. if anything, he seems to be sort of turning the ship around. And by the way, other companies are facing similar challenges. So I'm not as bullish as Bill is, I don't think. But at the same time, I don't think you can only look at this story from the ground level of like the Hollywood picket line. We are living in an era where Hollywood does not have the influence it used to have, where there's greater competition, both domestically from like, again, the the sort of Amazons and Apples, and also internationally from the TikToks, and there's technological change happening, and the industry itself is going to change and it is going to shrink. And if there's one thing that we can give David Zaslav credit for, and there are probably, again, a lot of things that he bungled along the way and deserves criticism for, but if there's one thing to give him credit for, he's like this is a business and we need to not be too sentimental about it. And uh, Hollywood will never forgive him for lacking sentimentality because Hollywood thrives on sentimentality. Mm -hmm. But he is going about this in terms of like that sort of like ruthless cost cutting, generate cash flow. No one's going to like that. No one's going to love that. I don't think, I I think from the beginning, just because, you know, he got himself a room at the Beverly Hills Hotel and, and took meetings with everyone. I don't think we should have ever expected anything other than what we are getting now. And at the end of it all, he will find a way to either sell or merge or through some form of consolidation, find a sort of exit here. And if you understand what he's doing through that lens, through the business lens, rather than sort of getting caught up in whether, you know, the sort of like whether or not Warner Brothers Discovery can recapture the magic of the early or mid 20th century, then it becomes a little bit easier to judge what he's doing in a more sober way than I think the critics who who are given voice in this New York Times piece do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I also recommend people go back and read Bill Cohan's take on, on this, which is, you know, Wall Street kind of revolted after their Q3 earnings because they were, you know, they missed, barely missed on revenue. But you know, Bill's argument is EBITDA is up and he is slashing debt um, and, and WBD has a ton of debt <laughs> saddled with a mm-hmm. lot of it. And he's sort of like weed whacking there. And that's what Wall Street likes. But yeah, man, I mean, you're right. There could not be a bigger delta between like the Hollywood creative class, uh, how they think about him and how Wall Street thinks about him. I mean, he was like public enemy number one during the writer's yeah. strike. It came out that like while they were on strike, his 2022 comp was like 40 million dollars <laughs> in 2021 you know everyone was making a lot of money uh, in 2021 but it was like you know far far north of that uh you know something like 200 million i'm gonna take a quick break when we come back talk a little bit about zazz and cnn Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right. I found that on Etsy. It's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back to the Powers of Be, everybody. We're talking about one of Puck's number one targets <laughs> over the years now, David Zaslov. There was another New York Times piece that came out a few days ago, Dylan, about David Zaslov's relationships inside CNN and how they sort of mutated over the years and how they played into all of the drama at CNN. Again, some of the stuff has been chewed over. You've sort of reported some of it. Um, I, I am interested in the fact that, like, I guess my biggest takeaway, big picture from this CNN piece, was it was strongly insinuating that, you know, whether it's Jeff Zucker, Chris Licht, Don Lemon, Brian Stelter, that Zaslov would say one thing one day and then, like, a few months later, say something else or do one thing and do something else or pretend to be your best friend. And then fire you <laughs> and then sort of try mm -hmm. to like escape blame from doing something bad. Was that your read on this story too? I don't know. I think it's sort of hard to read this story. It's like, so the point of this story is coming into to ownership of CNN mm -hmm. that David Zaslav has strong relationships with Jeff Zucker, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a Hamptons golfing buddy and, mm -hmm. you know, fellow road warrior in ma legacy media, Don Lemon, who he's invited to parties and dinners and Brian Stelter, who he shared nice notes with. And, you know, and then of course, Chris Licht, because he hired Chris Licht because he thought Chris Licht was like this wonderkind executive producer. And he liked, you know, he did come to his garden parties. Right. So by the way, speaking so, yeah, of all so, the aforementioned names, Dylan, it's like very clear, like who talked for this article. <laughs> It's, you know, it's it like is, if it's their like... name is in the article, they're probably <laughs> a source on background. <laughs> so, you know, and so then it's like, OK, well, Jeff Zucker obviously gets fired before David Zaslav shows up and the, the two of them sort of stop their relationship. And 
they get rid of Brian Stelter and Don Lemon and, you know, there might be nice words at the polo bar and, and stuff like that, but there's not, you know, but like, nevertheless, they got fired. And I guess, you know, and then obviously Chris Licht gets fired for reasons we're all familiar with, but I guess my sort of feeling here is the insinuation is that David Zaslav didn't honor his sort of personal relationships, right? Or when it came, when push came to shove and he was given a choice between personal relationships and sort of running the business the way he believed the business should be run, he chose the latter. And I guess my sense is like, try to envision what the alternative would be. The alternative would be that he's like, okay, we want to create a network where there's no room for the the sort of, you know, like chest thumping of, uh, or, or partisan chest thumping of like a Brian Stelter or a Don Lemon, but I'm friends with them, so I'm not going to fire them, right? Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like Chris Licht is is doing a demonstrably terrible job and he is he's making an embarrassment of this network, but he's my friend, right? Like that is in, indeed like the sort of old relationship-based model of the media and entertainment business that I think in his sort of cold-hearted, clear-eyed way, David Zaslav is like, no, I'm, I'm looking at a P&L, I'm looking at numbers, and I'm going to run this entire company based off of the numbers. And again, like, you, you can look at that in, in one of two ways. Either he actually just did what he want, intended to do, which was fire people, and he's sort of merciless about it. Or the, you know, you can say, you know, I, I guess another argument would be that he, he was not nearly so effective in firing those people because if you look at every single one of those instances, the people he fired, it was like surrounded by like months of negative headlines and headaches mm-hmm. and uh, probably could have been done in a much cleaner way. I basically think what happened here is that the Times probably saw that in every case there was a personal relationship behind the scenes and you know in in this business like three examples makes a trend and so they saw an opportunity here to sort of like break that out into a sidebar story on the side of the magazine which which is sort of fine but again this far after all of the chaos that ran from like sort of zucker's defenestration to licks defenestration two defenestrations in a row to, uh, Keep yeah, going. i don't entirely <laughs> I don't entirely understand who cares about any of this beyond the people whose names are in are in the article. And then I would say, you know, obviously myself for, for the obsession, my own obsessions that we've already we've already acknowledged on this episode. Well, for the last five to eight minutes, uh, us are included in that. Um, the article ends on saying Mr. Zaslov replaced Mr. Licht with Mr. Thompson. New York Times style there, a former chief executive of the New York Times and director general of the BBC, quote, the two have never been friends. And that is your kicker. Okay. So this is actually the one point, this is actually the one part where I thought, okay, well, here now is a, is a, is an important point being made. And, and this sort of brings everything full circle. When David Zaslav came in at Warner Brothers, took over Warner Brothers Discovery, the combined entity, he was very hands-on in terms of like, he wanted to watch every movie and review every movie and give notes on every movie. Like he actually wanted to be very hands-on in that regard. And similarly with CNN, I think he and John Malone were like, okay, we're going to do something with this news network, right? We're going to change the editorial posture. We're going to get rid of certain people. And in selecting Mark Thompson, I think I see a sort of waving of the white flag and an admission that like, maybe I just need to hire someone who's really good at this and then let them do it. 
right? Like leave it alone. And and one of the big problems about uh, mm. for Chris Licht was that he was always managing up to one person in David Zaslav, always, and never really you know, putting enough time or effort into all of the people who are working for him. And so at least I think David here is like saying, okay, I don't, I don't actually know what's best for CNN. Mark Thompson is demonstrably one of like the most accomplished media executives of the 21st century news media executives. Let me just give this to him wipe my hands clean of this and go try to like put out the fires that are burning in Hollywood. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Dylan, you know this better than anyone. Thanks for your insight. Thank you, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you on Monday. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.